You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hey, yo, it's Wopat, and a big yee to you all. I used to be Luke Duke, and you're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the star-spangled man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders! This is going to be a big show. I'm going to share as much as I can from the Kansas City Comic Con from last weekend. All the audio I didn't get a chance to share. I'm just going to share all kinds of audio. I probably won't get it all in, and we'll probably listen to even more next week. Uh, But I managed to go around the floor, and I talked to some charities. I talked to some various uh, behind-the-scenes and celebrities. Uh, Also, this week, we're going to talk to Michael Valentine. Wonderful conversation about a documentary called Comic that he has directed, created, brought the whole thing together. He spent several years working on it. Uh, And while I'm talking to him, we're going to announce a special event for all of you Neverlanders out there that I hope you all will come to. We're going to screen this documentary, and you're going to hear all about it. But you know what? I, I don't have any movie reviews or movie trailers or anything. I just have a whole lot of sound clips that I want to share with you. And so I'm not going to waste any time. Let's just get right on to it. Incoming transmission from Autobot headquarters. All right, Neverlanders, we're here with Aaron Stanford. You know him as Pyro from the X-Men films. Hello, hello. So uh, when going into the X-Men films, did you know how popular this was going to become? Um, X, well, I was, uh, I started out in X2. X2? So, so X, in the first one? Nope, there, it was, there, there was a Pyro, but it was played by a different actor. Oh, wow. So that movie, that. that movie was already quite big, and, yeah. and people, at that point, the secret was already out. The comic book movies were, were huge. Yeah. Um, so I knew I knew it was a very big deal. Uh, it was very early on in my career. Uh, the film I films I had done prior to that were all very very small uh, independents. So uh, it was it was a brave new world for me for sure. So uh, did you get to do more practical effects with because uh, obviously the flames were not coming out you know from your lighter but uh, no, things you detonate were they practical? But the cool thing about yeah they, you know mainly it was practical. Um, all the explosions, the the big scene everybody remembers is the port is the port scene where uh, Pyro blows up all the yeah. cop cars, right? So that was legit. Um, there were actual explosions. There were actual stunt guys on ratchets getting pulled back and knocking themselves silly on trees and um, cop cars flying up in the air and spinning. All that stuff was was real. So I had a lot to react to. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of of um, practical special effects. I just you know. CGI definitely has its place, and at this point, it's it's really come a long way. But you can really see, in, in my opinion, things really went in the wrong direction for for a while there. Yeah. One day, people just thought, "We oh, got CGI. We don't have to do anything practical anymore." Yeah. And, and suddenly, just things started to not have any grounding anymore. You know, like Yoda's ears didn't wiggle the way they <laughs> they were supposed to when he yeah. you know, when he was a puppet. And yeah. um, you know, so uh, I'm, I, I have the most, I enjoy movies the most that are a, a, a great mix of mainly practical with some CGI embellishments. So what projects have you, it looks like you've been very busy since then. I have, yeah. I'm, 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 my, my most recent show is uh, 12 Monkeys, which is on Sci-Fi Channel. It's, a, um, it's based on the Terry Helium film 12 Monkeys. Which I saw only a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a great, great movie uh, from the '90s, and uh, we've re- rebooted it, reimagined it, and um, 
you know, recast it with with very very different actors, yeah. and uh, it's it's very much become its own thing. Uh, yeah, and probably more popular than the movie, I think, at this point. Probably, yeah. <laughs> We're getting a lot of great responses, great reviews, and uh, people have been very vocal on social media. Um, so we've been we've been real happy with how it's turned out. Awesome. Uh, got anything important coming in the future that you're excited about? Just season three of 12 Monkeys. We just got picked up. Awesome. So I'm heading off to do that right now, yeah. That's the focus. Any chance it might cross over with some other sci-fi shows? I don't know. Because I'd... I've heard rumors that they're going to try to blend some of their, they're their trying shows. To They've almost got their own universe going universes. on. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that would work. I, I suppose it's possible. Um, probably... I can see that happening more easily with the, with the superhero uh, yeah. genre, but this one, I think this, I would say this pretty much stands on its own. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, man. Awesome. So I, uh, I'm standing here with Elite Supergirl. I guess that's what you call the full charity. Uh, tell me about it. Well, it's actually a, a person. Um, the charity itself is volunteering with a lot of organizations. So I don't particularly do just one charity. Um, I accept donations of you know coloring books, crayons, toys, and that kind of stuff, which you can drop off at Elite Comics um, over on the Oval and Park side in Kansas City. But Elite Supergirl is really a, a person. Um, so what I do and what I have been doing is volunteering with the hospitals, with Children's Mercy, both of them on the Kansas and Missouri side. Um, and then lots of other organizations besides that, from you know the ALS organization, Parkinson's, um, oh my gosh, so many, Susan B. Komen, um, Pinky Swear, which is my newest one. I've volunteered with the Victory Project, which has been supporting Kansas City. Anything and everything I can get my hands on. And what I do is try to build this reputation so that way people look to me and I can help other cosplayers, other people get involved that are trying to build their own kind of, you know, resume of the things that they do. Then come to me and ask me questions. How did you get involved? Who do I talk to? How do I go about doing the things that you do? I want to do what you do. So that's what, what really uh, Lose Supergirl is about, is networking and helping other people do it. And then really and truly doing the volunteering that I do. I mean, I love it and I love getting people involved. So at this particular convention with Kansas City Comic Con, Eden, this young lady, I met her last year and brought her in as a VIP guest. Um, gave her the Disney Fast Pass is what I call it. There you go. Uh, she gets to line jump. And it's not just her. I also have two other families as well. So we take them around. They get to meet celebrities. They get to meet artists. They get to meet creators. They get to meet cosplayers. It's everything. I mean, they truly do get the best experience. They get an entourage of characters. <laughs> so it really is, like I said, the Disney Fast Pass. It's the premium package you can get. And... These kids are not not ones that someone has gone, hey, can you do this for them? It's ones that we just find and we, you know, feel moved and inclined to help them out and bring them in. So with Eden this year, um, for her, she fought cancer and she is in um, remission now. So Yay. the bandanas are really a big thing for her. She lost her hair. Yeah. And that was the thing that was really hurtful is losing her hair. Everything else she was fine with. But losing her hair was her identity. So she wore the bandanas. It gave her a, a sense of belongingness and identity to herself. And, um, you know, after bringing her in, she said, I want to dress as Supergirl for Halloween. So I commissioned an outfit for her, and I had it made. And when I presented it to her, uh, she told me that she wanted to do what I do. And the thing about going to Children's Mercy is you have to be 18 years old or older in order to volunteer there. So one of my missions is to make sure that I find organizations that our youth can get involved with or help our youth do what I do. And in their own time, they will build. And that really is my legacy is what tomorrow will be. So with Eden, Elite, uh, Elite Comics, they actually helped with uh, the bandanas. They fronted the money for them. They ordered them for us. They brought them in. Um, and uh, we're selling those. And the money from those are going to, obviously, the foundation that she's with, which is that um, the sign back here, the Leukemia and Lymphoma uh, Society. She's part of Light the Night. Um, and that's her way of giving back. But also the bandana is her way of giving back to all kids that are losing their hair yeah. or just needing a sense of belongingness of, to themselves. Yeah. With the bandanas, it does say, be your hero, um, because we truly believe that you know, at the end of the day, when you look in that mirror and you look at yourself, you need to be your hero. You rely on yourself, you trust yourself, and there are a lot of heroes out there, but everyone fighting a fight, whatever that fight may be, be your hero, be strong, just as you are, and, and own it. So, and the other cool thing is they have the Elite uh, comic skull on it, which when we ordered them, we didn't realize that Eden's favorite bandana has skulls all over it, so <laughs> it was just perfect. 
That's great. Is there a website people can go to to kind of support this? Well, okay, so for um, Eden, if you go, and it's a tongue twister, it's um, Eden's Supergirl Swag Rags, and you can oh, learn goodness. information on there. Yeah, that's hers. So. <laughs> You can learn information on there of where she'll be and where you can donate bandanas to. Um, as far as the Elite Comics ones, I'm sure that William will have those at the store that people still can purchase there. Um, for myself, you can get on Facebook if that's where you want to go to Elite Supergirl. There's also a Twitter account that's um, attached to um, AKA underscore Supergirl, I'm pretty sure, or Elite Supergirl. It's one of those. I know it sounds bad, but I also have uh, an Instagram as well. So, and of course, I'm like sitting here thinking quickly, Jessica, get your phone out so that you can actually <laughs> tell the man um, who they are. Uh, but that's where I would suggest going. So, like I said, you can go to the Twitter feed, you can go to Instagram, those are for mine. Um, and then Eden's is actually the Facebook one. So, uh, that's about it. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much. Thank you. Okay, so I was not allowed to record with uh, with this man, but I was just speaking with Brian Herring, who uh, Star Wars fans will recognize him, well, at least will know him from being one of the puppeteers that, that well, worked with BB-8. Uh, he wasn't allowed to record with me, but uh, here's pretty much a recap of my just conversation I had with him. Uh, it took about three different guys running BB-8 to, to wheel him around, and another person, of course, being in charge of head movement. And that, that was a lot of uh, what Brian... Herring was saying he was doing, he did a lot of the head work, he had a little demonstration BB-8 so he could move the head up and down, back and forth, kind of nod and move around, and he is actually the guy you would see in any behind-the-scenes footage running around with a tri, you know, thing, and wearing green, running around, uh, moving BB-8, uh, the puppet, around. Uh, and he talked about how exciting it was to work uh, on a Star Wars film and how it was kind of like kids again. He said, you know, we worked over really long hours and you'd be tired, you'd want to lean on something, then you realize you're leaning on a black X-Wing and you'd get all getting excited again. Uh, other works, though, he did, uh, he was in an episode of Doctor Who on the nuclear sub where you remember there was the, uh, I can't remember what type of alien it was, but they had the, the hands that would come down from the ceiling and grab characters. Those were his hands, of course, in costume. He uh, mentioned he had elongated fingers that were kind of hard to hit his marks of exactly where he was supposed to grab people's heads. Uh, also, I uh, have worked with the Jim Henson Company a little bit on the Creature Shop. Uh, mentioned working on the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, a lot of different things. Uh, very, very cool. Uh, also, he did get to work on uh, Rogue One. Uh, oh, also, he mentioned, though, on like, The Force Awakens, he uh, kind of got to be in charge of finding people and puppeteers to uh, work on as his team to bring all these characters to life. Uh, so that was very, very fun, but uh, I didn't get to actually record with him because, like I said, you know, he's, he's not allowed. Uh, I missed his panel yesterday because I was working, but uh, very cool. And uh, he says there are some really interesting articles on StarWars.com if you're interested in learning more. <laughs> All right, Neverlanders, I'm standing with James Hance. You are the creator of Wookiee the Chew. I am indeed, sir. So where did that idea come from? Well, you know what? I, I, I think I woke up with an idea for Winnie the Pooh and Star Wars clashing in the middle. But I thought someone would have already done it because it's such a simple idea. And yeah. I Googled and I went online and I asked people. Nobody had done it. <laughs> and the sandwiching the two together was the easiest thing I've ever done. As in, Ator is a cross between an AT-AT and Eeyore, because it just makes sense. It's collapsing in the snow, and you know, Winnie the Pooh is Chewbacca, and Han Solo is Christopher Robin, and it just snowballed from there. And the the um, the reaction has been overwhelmingly positive, and that's pretty much what got me right here today. So. Has Disney commissioned you to do some more work? No, Lucasfilm got in touch shortly after Wookiee the Chew took off. I was a bit worried. I thought they're going to shut me down. Yeah, but that, they, were, they were really nice about it. They just wanted to know what the plan was with it. They wanted some prints for the Lucasfilm offices. This is before the merger with Disney. Yeah. So of course I obliged, and they just said we really like what you're doing, and they left me alone. I thought, oh, fair yeah. enough. I figured fair Disney enough. must love you too. You're promoting the daylights out of their stuff. Well, well, I figured. Yeah. Now, yeah. now that it's merged, I think. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. That was it's me. Uh, a bit of clairvoyance on my part. Yeah. Right? yeah. You're just ahead of the curve. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. So what are some of your other favorite projects? Um, I'm really liking the, uh, some these Mucha-style portraits. I've just got into charcoal, and that medium tends to lend itself really well to these class classic fine art sort of style. Yeah. And blending Star Wars, like the new Ghostbusters with Holtzman. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, it's just a challenge, because the original pieces are about two feet, three feet by two feet, maybe, something like that. So, you know, it's a challenge. And I think it's always important to push yourself as an artist, not get complacent in one subject or medium, yeah. you know. 
And just going to describe it for those that can't see this, I mean, you've got doctors, lots of the various doctors from Doctor Who, some Lord of the Rings inspired, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, uh, great portraits, just, just, wow, just really capturing the shadow. And you, uh, oh, it's another guy's got some white and uh, mainly just using charcoal. Doing oh, get this. well, the, the shading on these is really good. These are charcoal. Some of the ones at the front here. That's airbrush and color pencil. Um, I've used. Uh, um, Acrylic paint, big globs of acrylic paint, and put in the uh, backgrounds of some of these ones. Uh, oil paints now and again, but they take months, especially in Florida, they take months to dry. Really? So it's a bit yeah. of a frustrating medium, but charcoals, I'm digging charcoals right now, man. <laughs> My house is, is mostly grey. <laughs> now, <laughs> all right? it does? Just dust everywhere, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I look like Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Uh, and you've got like some books of Wookiee the Chew you've put out, haven't you? There was a Wookiee the Chew book that I, I self-published a few years back. And when that stock ran out, I thought, you know, I really want to revamp it because my style has changed a little bit. I want to change the illustrations. I've got more of a story for it now. Uh, and I'll, I want to do a hardback version where half of it is the book, the other half, a few little poems. And I've got so many new art pieces. I want to fill it yeah. up as an art of Wookiee the Chew and probably release that in hardback next year. Ah, and has Hallmark come calling? Because some of these would make really great cards. <laughs> well, that's that's really up to Disney. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Lucas from Disney to, to decide, but you know, if they want to get in touch and work with me, that'd be amazing. Yeah, because these are just fantastic. And I'm I'm looking at this here where you've you've uh, read to, to describe this to the listeners. Imagine Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, where he's gotten stuck in Rabbit's house, except for now he's stuck in a sarlacc pit that's in the side. He's a friendly one. There are a few flowers on those tentacles, so it's not. It's not yeah, so it's not as scary, but it's cute. Right. Like, it's just yeah, a lot of that, fun. That's the idea. Make it universal for boys, girls, adults, that sort of thing. It's and what uh, Star Wars is really. You know. I like that you've called it relentlessly cheerful art. That's what it is, my friend. Because it is fun and just really, really good stuff. Thank you. Now, do you have a website up where people can look at your work? I do. My website is jameshance.com, and from there you can go to my Facebook, my Tumblr, my Twitter, my living room, any of that stuff. Awesome. And you sell. Uh, you work from the website? Yep, there's prints, originals, vinyl stickers, posters, everything you can imagine. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Time out. The great space coaster will return after these messages. C-3PO. Loki. Mace Windu. Dr. Bruce Banner. Captain Rex. Venom. Princess Leia. Jean Grey. Darth Maul. Nick Fury. Grand Moff Tarkin. Captain America. Lando Calrissian. Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, Imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana podcast on iTunes because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. I'm in. Now back to the program. Hi, I'm Fred Ottman. You may know me as Tugboat, Typhoon, or the Shockmaster. I want to say you're listening to the Neverland Podcast. (laughs) To Disney and beyond. Okay, we have a great documentary that, as at time of this recording, I have not yet seen it. But it's (laughs) called Comics, and I always forget the subtitle. I've been telling people at uh, at convention about this. But uh, I brought the director in here, Michael Valentine, who's made this film. And we're going to talk all about it and about comics and have some fun here. So, hello, Michael. Hey, how you doing, Jeremy? So what is the full title of the film? It's called Comics Beyond the Comic Book Pages. 
which so I literally, literally I guess this documentary is where we're going to not just look at the like the comics, but all the creators behind the comics. Yeah, you know, comics is a film that I've documentary I've been working on for over thirteen years. Uh, I started in around two thousand three. And it's a feature-long documentary about the world of comic books and the phenomenon. It's told through the thoughts and images of, you know, artists, writers, creators, um, and fans and comic book store owners, publishers. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit of all the different uh, things that really make up this phenomenon that we all know and love. Yeah, we have conventions for, and now we're getting movies of, and it's like the outside world is finally getting into our world and seeing what was so cool about everything we were reading when we were younger and still read as adults. Yeah, totally, and I still read comic books as an adult now, and I think when I started the film, I really wanted people to see behind the scenes of these people who created some of these characters that we all know and love and that are making millions and billions of dollars in the movie theaters. Uh, I thought it would be really important to show people, you know, some of these people help create these characters. Yeah, and they sometimes get overlooked. Definitely. Yeah, because everybody knows Stan Lee's name, and we love Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. And you got to talk to him. Oh, man, I did. I did. It was a dream come true, man. It's like when I was growing up uh, in the 1970s, you know, I was a huge Spider-Man fan and Stanley and yeah. Well, I mean, I loved all the, the Marvel characters, but I think Spider-Man kind of spoke to me because I was this, you know, young kind of confused 12, 13 year old kid. And Peter Parker was kind of, you know, kind of like that, you know, he had some, uh, uh, things that I can relate to as far as a superhero. He wasn't, you know, like, this guy who his parents got murdered or something. So, yeah. and I, and I love the way he looked and the way he moved. And I love the way John Romita mm-hmm. drew him back in the seventies. And yes. so, yeah. And there's like, one of those names that everybody will know Stan Lee, but maybe they haven't heard of John Romita or maybe they don't even know that Steve Ditko is kind of a co-creator for Spider-Man. He's the one who designed that look. Yes. Yes. And it's really great that you uh, point that out because Stan talks about that in the film. he, you know, one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to ask him about, uh, you know, the contributions uh, from his some of his artists. And I wanted to make sure that, you know, it was done in the right way to where people could really respect that, you know, it wasn't just Stan. And he does talk about Steve Ditko. He talks about, you know, that, you know, he, he tried to use different artists especially Kirby to draw Spider-Man and, and Kirby was just drawing him too much muscles, you know, too much like the other characters that Kirby is known for. Yeah. That's and, Jack Kirby for anyone who's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I forget. Yes. Out there, Jack Kirby, please look him up. If you don't know who he is. Yes. Let's just say Captain America. There you That's go. That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it was pretty phenomenal to, to talk to Stan and he talks about all kinds of different great things about creating Spider-Man and, you know, it's it's a great part of the film. He's a really big uh, part of the film. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have done the film if I hadn't been able to get him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like the big one. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of like, you know, the godfather of comic books. Right. <laughs> so is, do you think there's anybody over in D.C. that you would consider kind of the godfather of, like, D.C. comics? I mean, because they have a lot of different creators, you know, Bob Kane with Batman, uh, Siegel and Shuster with Superman. You know, they're they're very diverse on their different creators. Is, yeah, is there anybody who's, one. like, the grandfather? Oh, man, that's a tough one on that side because, you know, on the Marvel side, you know, Stan was a part of that. He was a part of a lot of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on the D.C. side, you know... Bob was just – he was Batman. That was his his comic, his main one. So I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know if I could because, you know, to me, Batman and Superman are pretty much the iconic DC characters. Yeah. I'd throw Flash and Wonder Woman in there too just because I love them too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no. I, I, I love a lot of the DC characters that yep. are not, you know, those two. But, I mean, I think those two kind of – epitomize you know what dc represents yeah they're the first two you're always going to think of yeah 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 yeah. although they're doing some good stuff now you know yeah now they the rebirth and i i completely missed it uh funds have been a little bad so i'm like oh i want to see what they've done with rebirth and people are telling me but i'm like you know i gotta make choices and right now uh, the haunted mansion comic has kind of been my thing (laughs) (laughs) oh man you know i haven't 
strangely enough, this is going to sound really terrible, but I haven't bought a comic book in like seven years. Every time I go the, into the stores, it's to, you know, talk about my film. And because I, you know, funded the film on my own, on my own dime, I have had to, you know, really pinch my, my monies, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I used to buy comics all the time and now I'm like, but I'm, but I'm finished with the film now. The DVD's out and uh, I want to talk about it, but now I can actually start buying comic books again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, now where to begin again? <laughs> I know. I know. Ugh. And I'm more of a Marvel guy anyway, so I you know, I kind of look over at the DC and say, oh, Rebirth, and people have been telling me about that. Oh, but I got to see what's going on. Oh, my gosh, Mary Jane's working for Tony Stark. What's going on over here? So, you know, <laughs> I got to gravitate, although I'm still kind of mad at what they've done to Spider-Man. But, you know, uh, yeah. that's the other issue. I, they do have a new comic um, – a new series that's it's sort of an alternate universe, but it's getting more of a classic Spidey, and it's actually called Spidey. And uh, I started reading that one. I'm like, oh, this is everything I love about the normal, but yet it's different. They did put him back in high school, but they put a lot of his regular friends all in high school with him. So Gwen Stacy's in there and Flash Thompson and Harry, they all go to high school together. Oh, that's really cool. That's but really all the smart. villains are exactly what you expect. That's really awesome. I'll have to check that one out. I haven't I haven't read that one. Oh, it's been it's so much fun because and they've they've tried to keep the stories into one issue. So it's like a one shot thing and you can get a whole wrapped up story and sometimes two stories in an issue. So it's you don't have to take everything that seriously. It's just a whole lot of fun. And it's back to that. Well, not necessarily what made me love Spidey. I've got a whole other story on that. <laughs> Which, actually, is something I thought of I was going to ask you about. Uh, well, why don't I just dive into that? Two things that I got I to gotta throw out there. So, sure. what was the very first comic that you remember you bought? Oh, uh, it was, uh, I, I, you know, I, I can't remember the number now. I know it was a Neil Adams Batman. Um, and I bought it at a 7-Eleven when I was walking home from school one day, probably in, uh, God, like fifth or sixth grade. I can't remember the exact issue. I wish I still had it because it'd probably be worth a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, probably Neil Adams Batman. <laughs> yeah, see, I I can remember. I don't remember my exact numbers either, but I remember we were on a road trip, uh, headed down. To, I think Arkansas was it? Yeah, it was. You know, actually on a church bus even, uh, and we made a stop somewhere to get drinks and everything, and they had some comics there, and I picked up. A Spider-Man issue where he was battling the Shocker, which I had never heard of the Shocker, so that was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, a Wolverine and an X-Men while I was in there to read there on the bus. Uh, so, yeah, that Spider-Man one, I, I still have all three of them. That Spider-Man was, was probably the most profound one for me because of a later thing, which leads to my next thing I got to ask. What issue has, well, you know, you don't have to remember issue number, of course, but which one had the most profound impact on you that really got you maybe hooked on a character or something? Um, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. I would say you're talking about for Spider-Man. Well, for Spider-Man or whichever, you know, well, you're a big Spider-Man fan, so you could definitely probably have one that maybe you made you love Spider-Man. Well, you know, I, th I think for me, it was when I was growing up, it was more, it was more the, the artist and the time period than the actual character. Like I, I know it sounds really strange, but I liked a lot of the different characters um, but for me, it was really, you know, towards, it was the artwork that really kind of, you know, drew me in and I was really, you know, attracted to a lot of stuff that was in those seventies, uh, issues of the amazing Spider-Man with the John Romita style, the John Romita yeah. style was like. You know, I guess, you know, it's always about, you know, when, you, when you're when you growing up and what you're exposed to at that time. Yeah. And it was just, you know, seeing him on those covers, um, all of those characters, you know, from Sandman, all, the, all of them were really cool. And I just remember, you know, when I look at, I can still look at those covers now. It's like with Neil Adams, I can look at a Batman or really any of his work and just stare at it and just be enthralled by it. And... You know, when you're when you're in fifth grade, you know, story is not as important as, you know, the images. And yeah. for me, it was like when I would see those covers and, you know, at the time I wasn't thinking, oh, that's John Romita. I really wasn't. In fact, I just knew I liked those covers and there was something about, you know, that art that really attracted me. And, you know, I'm I'm an artist. Um, 
so I mean, it was kind of like that's kind of the first thing that drew me. Yeah, I say probably the biggest influential comic I ever read. And the first time I read it, I was remember I was in a, like a doctor's office, and they had a reprint of Amazing Fantasy fifteen. Yeah. And I see when I was younger because you know uh, I watched of course Spider Man and his Amazing Friends, and I did love that and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I to, to me the origin story was just oh yeah Peter Parker gets bit by a radioactive spider. That's cool. Yeah, he's got powers now. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that's just what gave him powers. That's not what made him Spider Man. Right. The right. whole origin with Uncle Ben, I didn't know any of that. And when I read it and we got to the end with the great power and great responsibility, that just hit me like a ton of bricks and just made – I understood Spider-Man on a whole other level and that became my favorite. And it actually is one of my philosophies in life because we all have our own quote-unquote superpowers. We all have something we can do, but now you have a responsibility to share it and do great things with it and not just hide away in your little bunker. Like you're doing now, you've you've made a documentary, and you're well, you know, it, with the world. Yeah, and it's funny. It's like, isn't that interesting? That's kind of life, you know. I mean, you, that's a good way to live your life, mm-hmm. you know. And and for me, I really wanted to do something with comic books. I always did, but I was never a good enough artist. I, you know, I can't say that I tried, and I just really wasn't that great of an artist. And part of the, you know, and I never, um, I was never like. You know, probably I love comic books, but there are people out there. I've learned so much by making this film, by everybody I talk to and meet. And the one thing that was really important for me to do is to be able to expose people to that part of comic books that they might not know. Because, you know, there's great stories here and there's great characters and there's great character development. And really, it's. You know, I mean, really, it's pretty much what all the films right now that are big films are based on. If it's not a Disney title, although Disney now owns Marvel, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a superhero movie. Yeah, and and you know, Hollywood's getting better too because they're making sure that, for the most part, they're making sure that they get the right writers and the right people in there to make sure the stories and the storylines that they're doing are true to the comics. And that was something early on they weren't as worried about, but now it's really an important part. I mean, it makes or it makes or breaks a movie now, really. Yeah, and really having the right cast, the people who can look the part and play the part, and oh. bring out everything of the character. I mean, I just starting even with Robert Downey Jr., somebody who was just so perfect. You know what? He's he's. I think the first. Well, besides Christopher Reeves, I think Christopher Reeves was. An amazing Superman. I, oh, yeah. I he's still, still my, my favorite, favorite yep. Superman because you know I'm sorry, Superman's not dark, right? It, you know, I mean, <laughs> yes, I know in, in the comics they they make him dark, but really he kind of we need someone out there who represents just complete do gooder, and that's right. Superman to me. You know, I mean, it, the world needs that. I mean, well, there's plenty of darkness out there. So, and I think that he really did that. I mean. You know, um, but I will agree with you that um, Robert Downey Jr. pretty much was the first, besides him, the first one to really to 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 be perfect for the character. Yeah, and it really got me a more an appreciation for Iron Man because I, I I'd watched the cartoon in the '90s a bit, and that was about as much of familiar familiarity I had with Iron Man. I didn't really pay much attention to him, but getting to see a full representation and someone who could bring out all the complexities of the character and all the flaws of the character. Uh, just made him that much more interesting. Yeah, and who to do it better than Robert Downey, right? Right, someone who <laughs> has so much talent but has had some flaws in his life and has come back from adversity and really rebounded from a some a down end in life. And oh my gosh, he understands sure. it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, you know, Iron Man was his kind of return to to the big time. Really, yeah. you know, I mean, if you think about his career before that, and really, I don't think Iron Man would have been the success with. With anybody else. I mean, maybe there would have been a few, but even if you put a really good actor in there, it doesn't always mean that it's going to be a good match. That match was made in heaven because, like you were saying, I mean, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr., you know, he had issues and, and he had an edge and he brought that edge to that character. And that's what really made that film. Yeah, and sometimes they surprise me. Like Chris Evans, after seeing him as the Human Torch, I couldn't see him as Captain America. But then I saw him, and I was like, oh, he totally is Captain America. Yeah, he's he's good. <laughs> I would say he did a really good job. Most of, most of the Avengers, 
I'm pretty happy with. I mean, they finally got a good Hulk. I mean, mm-hmm. no offense to everybody who's played Hulk in the before. Yeah. Um, Norton except for was Bill Bixby. I wish he was still in it, but Mark Ruffalo has impressed me. He's awesome. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo is well, he's a good actor and yeah. I think I, again, I think he's a good for that role because he's not over the top. He yeah. he brings subtlety to that character and he, and 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 he just it's it's a good balance, I think. Yeah, he knows how to be boring Bruce Banner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He plays it well. <laughs> yeah. Where he's he's enough to where he's got enough charm to where you're kind of paying attention to what he does, but he's so low key that you you get such a difference. Like, yes, this is Bruce Banner, the guy everybody would kind of ignore, except for, well, hey, he's pretty bright though, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, but uh, just go on away. But then suddenly turns to this big giant green thing that you cannot ignore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and that, that's I. It's finally they got the dichotomy right though for the Hulk because that's the way he's supposed to be: puny, boring Bruce Banner. But then suddenly, you know. Yeah, I think, and I think with Hulk in the movies anyway, I think he's better part of a team. Yes, I love him and, as part of a team. Yeah, I mean, I think him by himself, uh, it just hasn't been able to work that well in the movies. I think that the TV show back from the 70s, I think that show was great. I loved Lou Ferrigno and Bill Bixby as Hulk. That's, to me, still my favorite. But maybe it's also because that was the time period that I was growing up. But, that you know, show Hulk, scared the dickens out of me. Oh, my God. Me too. <laughs> I was so little. <laughs> I know. I know. I remember when I first saw uh, Hulk you know, Lou Ferrigno's Hulk, I was like, oh my gosh. And the thing that is great about it is there's no special effects there. Right. <laughs> just that one shot where they'd have, you'd only see Bill Bigsby's eyes with the green context and they were just wide. It was terrifying. And then well, yeah. you know, the ripping shirt and you're like, <gasps> I know, but there was no, you know, there was no special effects on, on Lou Ferrigno, man. That was all muscle there. Yeah. It was all real. And he's still that big and muscular. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And, you know, he's a really nice guy too. I've got but had a chance to meet him twice as I was doing the film, and he's he's a really nice guy. He, I know he's been in some conventions here locally, but I've never gotten a chance to talk to him. I'm going to though one of these days. Oh, you should just go and shake his hand. He's a just he's go a and cool. shake his hand, and his hand probably like uh, I remember when I um, shook hands with uh, uh oh, I, my name went right out the window. Uh, Peter, you know, um, Chewbacca. Oh yeah. Uh, shook his hand and wow, his hand could just engulf mine. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Lou Ferrigno, he, I don't know, it just seems like it'd be the same thing. He could probably just engulf me. Yep. <laughs> yep. But nice guy, though. You know, you, you, you look at him, think, oh my God, he's a big guy. He's probably a jerk, but he's, he's a really sweet guy. Yep. And I keep hearing all that stuff. And I, I follow him on Facebook because he always has some fun things to put up there. And is always encouraging people to work out, too. Yeah. And I, I jiggle my flabby belly. I'm like, yeah, I probably should, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. <laughs> Getting back into no. comics instead of my flab. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we, how do we get there? <laughs> I don't know how we got there. But uh, so. Let's talk about how you started in filmmaking. I mean, is this your first project? I mean, were you interested in film before, or is this something you just really wanted to do and so you learned film to do this? You know, it's a good question. A little bit of both. Um, I always loved films. I especially love documentary films. Um, reality is usually more interesting than fiction, in my opinion. And so I was always drawn to documentary filmmaking, and I was always drawn to comic books. And originally, I wanted to do a comic book because what happened to me is I, I had many years when I was growing up that I was into comic books. And then I kind of – I got out of comics for a few years. Um, I still bought them here and there, but I really wasn't fully into comic books. And things had changed so much. And so um, I decided that I wanted uh, about in 2002, I had an idea for a movie that I wanted to do, but it was this – movie about a vampire and it was before the vampire thing was really had its resurgence long story short is that I realized that I couldn't uh, create a film like that on my own for a first film it was too much special effects and things like that so I thought wow what about making a comic book it would be a good character so I worked on the character and it's just funny how things happen as I was working on creating the comic book. I realized how difficult it was, you know, trying to find an artist that fits what your vision in your head is uh, of what your characters want to look like, what the style and feel of your comic wants to be. You know, it's not always that easy. And as I started digging more into making a comic book, I went to a couple of conventions here locally 
And I saw this world that just opened my eyes and instantly right then I knew that I wanted I, my contribution to this would be making a documentary that shows the whole phenomenon about comic books. It shows, you know, talks to artists, talks to writers, talks to people who've created comic books, talks to publishers, independent publishers, talks to fans, um, comic book store owners, just as many, you know, angles from this comic book phenomenon in this world that I could, that I could do. And so that's kind of where the idea sparked. And I had not made a film before this, but I knew that I wanted to make this film. And so I kind of just went out there and I hired uh, a camera guy and started going to conventions and started asking people for interviews. And, you know, um, once I got Stan, uh, then, you know, people were more willing to be a part of it. <laughs> the old, oh, you've talked to Stan Lee. Well, I'll be in your movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I knew that I needed Stan to be able to really sell it because the thing is what I wanted to do is I really wanted to kind of capture a bigger market than just the diehard comic book fans because I know those fans will like this film, but I, I wanted to truly really try to get a wider audience because my part of my goal was to get people into comic books and maybe people who were curious, but just, you know, didn't really want to get into it. Maybe if they saw something like this, that might inspire them. Yeah. I, I like to go on Facebook when people would go and they'd rave about, wow, this, this Marvel movie, whatever, name your Marvel movie was great. I really enjoyed it. Gosh, I, I hope they make a sequel. I really would like more. I'm like, Oh, you would like more. Did you know that at least once a month, maybe twice a month, you can read some adventures about that character. That yeah, is not right. a movie. You're right. And you get You're to right. keep it and hold it in your hands and, and love it and collect them and read it again as many times as you want. And you don't have to go and abscond with somebody's TV. You can just sit by yourself and read the thing. Well, you know, and that's that's a really great point, and it's true. I mean, I think that's why comic books are still popular because I think there's still people out there who want to have something in their hand. I mean, I mm -hmm. love going to comic book stores and just kind of sitting there. I can sit there for hours and just kind of read different things. In fact, I was in a comic book store the other day, and I was reading – I was waiting for the owner to come in, so I was sitting there. I was reading Sandman, and I was reading um, uh, Kick-Ass, one of the Kick-Ass, the stuff that John Romita Jr. is doing, which is his work, and that is just mind-blowing. I I mean, it's very graphic. but uh, <laughs> And then that's part of the reason, again, why I wanted to do this film, because I, I wanted to contribute something to this world and really show people that, you know, the stories – and the characters are one thing, but the people who are behind those are really what makes this, you know, makes this whole phenomenon, makes the movies, the millions that they're making happen is because these creators and these artists and these pencilers and inkers and, you know, the colorists and, and, and everything that goes into it. There's a great little section in the film that talks about kind of the process of making a comic book. Um, and it's really cool. Um, so, and that's why the DVD for this film is important too because I really wanted to make it something special and a lot of people you know say well you know no one's buying DVDs or physical anymore everybody watches it on Netflix and that's true but for this film I wanted it to be more like a comic book I wanted it to be something if you buy the DVD you're getting the film which you can get the film on iTunes right now um, but if you buy the DVD you're gonna get the film you're gonna get four hours of bonus footage in there you're going to get the whole Stanley interview that I did, the whole Frank Miller interview, and you're going to get extra stuff that you can only get there, and you're going to have something you can hold in your hand like a comic book. Yep, and you can watch it again and again and again as much as you want. That's right. That's, that's and you, I, you know, all it would take is one major computer crash and all our digital copies, and I'm I'm starting to enjoy digital copies too. But one good crash somewhere, and you lose it all. But as long as you have that DVD or that Blu-ray, that disc, you always have it. Yep. Well, it's like comic books, too. I mean, you can read comic books online, but, you know, I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's a, it's a generational thing. I think, you know, yeah. if you talk to your, your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and your nephews, you know, they don't, you know, they don't even watch movies on big screens anymore unless they go to a theater. You know, they're watching it, you know, on their on their tablet or on their phone. So uh, things have just changed quite a bit, you know. Yeah, 
<laughs> and they drag me along kicking and screaming, but I have, you know, like Disney movies anywhere when it connected with Voodoo and Voodoo is part of my Google Fiber that I'm like, oh, great. So now if I buy when I buy my Disney movies and my Marvel movies, if I get that digital copy, I'm like, oh, look, now I don't necessarily have to put the disc in. If I just want to watch it, I can pull it up and go. And then the discs are mainly for those special features. And somewhere in my brain, I'm feeling like, oh, this is almost like that action figure that I want to collect. And so I never take it out of the package. So I have the disc that will be preserved because I will never ruin it by having to use it i can just watch the digitally and just get the special features off the bonus disc that's right that's right that's right so that's, that's how i justify it in my head <laughs> <laughs> especially with like a star wars the force awakens i bought the special copy from target uh that was uh, it's like paperboard or whatever it's a really nice packaging but mm -hmm. the problem is is it doesn't have anything to protect your disc if you slide it in and out and i've heard of people say being concerned about scratching so i was like well i unlocked my digital copy i can watch the movie there so i just have to take very good care of my special feature disc that's right that's right well you know and that's it's really interesting you say that because that you you find the happy medium between the physical and the digital mhm mm and so I I can I can adapt to the new age, but I'm still 39 years old and I still love my physical comics. Oh, you're a young man, <laughs> and I like this. I like just the smell of a new comic. You know, when you open and you get that magazine print. Now it used to be newsprint, but now we get that nice magazine print and yep, just take it in. You know, and just ah, let me just read and flip pages. I don't know. There's just something special. Like yeah, like a hardcover book. You know, having the hardcover just feels nice when you're. Oh, reading it's great. It. <laughs> it's great to have it in your collection. You know, I mean, it's great yeah. to. You know, when you're sitting around, pull something out you haven't read in a while or looked at in a while. Um, oh, yeah. The one thing I, the one thing I've, I've loved about this film is I've gotten a lot of free comics. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I've gotten tons of graphic novels. Top Cow, man, they they when I interviewed Mark Silvestri and the guys over there, I walked out of there with like twenty, uh, you know, hardback graphic novel books, and I still haven't read them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually. Uh, what was the Groupon actually had where some uh, major comic shop or something was doing a grab box, basically. And they just loaded, I think, 50 comics in a box, and I got it for like $20. Nice. I still haven't even read through everything in there. There's a bunch of stuff that I haven't even heard of, uh, a lot of DC stuff, a lot of different Marvel things. And I was like, my goodness, when am I going to find the time to read all this? <laughs> I'm still behind on my Star Wars comics. I've, I've kept up on buying them, but I haven't got a chance to sit and read the things. <laughs> but I'm like, look at all these new Star Wars comics that Marvel's put out. Aren't these great? What are they about? I don't know. It's Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I, I know the feeling, man. I mean, it's it's one of those things. You know, I, the way I feel is, you know, eventually you'll have a day or you'll have a weekend. You'll have time where you just have all this time and you'll binge read, you know? Yep. <laughs> I'll take a long trip, you know, and like, hey, I'm just going to sit here and read. Well, not in a car because I, I do get car sick. But maybe on a plane I can manage if I ever get on a plane again. I'll sit there and read comics. That's right. Hey. you got to have something because, you know, you, you get bored and you're you – really, I've only flown like a couple of times just to go to Walt Disney World one time. And there's really not much room to do anything. But I'm like, you know, I could read something if I'd have brought something to read. That's right. That's right. Well, it's a good – you know, you got lots of time when you fly and you can't really do much. Yep. I mean, you can't – you know, you can walk around but you can't really go anywhere. So it's a good time to do that. To reading yep. is a great – that's a great time to read. Bring you a stack of about 10, 20 comics. You probably get through them by the time you land. Yeah, or, or half of them when you get there, you know, and then the other half when you're coming back. You got to reread the things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Re rereadability. That's um, right. Which made me think of something. Oh yes, speaking of when you're buying comics, for anyone who's really big on supporting local business, this is probably one of the number one local business that you probably have around somewhere. You can go into a comic shop. I mean, granted, there's like some big stores. You know, we have vintage stock around here and they have everything and I do like their stores. But there's all these little small shops where maybe one person owns it and they're the only person that works it. And they'll be there every day and they'll host events. They'll have gaming events and all this stuff. And uh, So you really are supporting your local economy by going into a comic shop and seeing what they do. Because they're probably selling toys, games, comics you know like i said having events you know if you're having to live to play you know any of those trading card games i've known places that they come in they'll play pokemon they'll play magic or they'll set out a big you know board of, of some role-playing game i've never even heard of uh so he'll have events and of course when of course they, they have events people will buy stuff while they're there like hey we need another 20-sided dice hey that's right over here but so there's this whole aspect within the comics area of where you can actually support your local community businesses 
Because these guys are not making money hand over fist like a big company. They're just, like I said, a little mom and pop shop. But they're really cool to visit. And, you know, like I said, support them. Yeah, these guys are great, too. The the, the smaller shops, you know, they're great to talk to them, too. And, and the great thing about some of those shops is they'll turn you on to new stuff. You know, I have a guy that I interviewed that's in my film and uh, his store. If I go in there, I'll just say, hey, Paul, what's what's something new that's, you know, and I'll describe what I'm looking for, kind of a style or, you know, I'm looking for this or that or the other. And he'll go, oh, you got to read this or you got to check out this. And it's a lot of those, you know, smaller places will really, you know, help you and guide you into reading something new. Yeah, because they, they started that business because they loved the comics. Mm-hmm. Not because they're like, oh, I'm going to make money hand over fist, because they don't. Yep. They they make a they can make a living and they can survive, but they do it because they love what they do, and they will talk for hours if you give them a chance to get the right guy in there. Like you said, if you're at going ask like, I kind of want to read something new about something, they will know something. They'll say, oh, you got to check out what I read the other day that came in. This is amazing, and they'll show you. And yeah. Exactly. There's a whole culture that goes on right there in a little shop, and all you got to do is look around for them. They're there. Sometimes they're tucked away. You know, sometimes you don't even realize it is. I mean, they're, they're the one I one of the ones I like to go to, other than the the vintage stock because it's you know two minutes away from my house. But there's one that you wouldn't really know. He's got a very small label sign on his little part that he rents and everything. That's really you wouldn't notice it, but you just got to pay attention sometimes and and go to these places. Which, of course, you're going to see some of these in these documentaries because you said you talked to some uh, some owners. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, again, I, what I try to do in the film is do a lot of different uh, angles of the phenomenon of comic books. And uh, one of them was important to me were the comic book stores. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a couple comic book stores. I interviewed a guy named Bill Leibowitz who used to own a, a comic book store here called Golden Apple in uh, Hollywood. And he was pretty – it was a pretty famous comic book store. And – Unfortunately, he has passed on, Aww. but I was really – I was able to get an interview, um, and I still talk to his wife and his son, and his son has seen the film, and he's so appreciative of his dad being in the film. And, and that's the thing I really – one of the things I'm really happy about this film is the film is about comic books, and it's very informative. It's fun, and it's inspirational, but it kind of like it, – it's got this life of its own, and, and there's these little – Things like that of how much this film meant to this uh, to Bill's son. His name's Ryan, who now owns the store, and and you know he he has lots of memories of his dad. But seeing his dad talk about what his dad loved uh, is truly you know something that I, I never would have expected when I made the film. And then you you know going back to a question you had asked earlier about me and filmmaking, um, I learned a lot about making films, and I learned a lot about you know, working with a great team. Um, and, and a lot of it's very similar to comic books. Um, you're only as good as the people you work with. Um, I learned a lot by the talent that I interviewed. Um, and you know, all these people were really great people. Um, you know, they, they, they wanted to give her their time. They didn't know who I was most of the time. Uh, I just said, I want to, I want to do this documentary on comic books. And they believed in, in what I was trying to do. And, that's a really great thing that, you know, you, you around people who inspire other people, but are just really great people and want to help make your dream a reality. And, you know, Stan, uh, you know, he was so giving of his time. And when I interviewed him, it was 2004 and he was a rock star then, but not like now, uh, <laughs> You know, he, I mean, like, you can't touch him now if you go to a convention. I mean, you, I, I mean, well, the last time I tried to talk to him, I had to wait in this line. And when I approached him in 2004, I just called his studio and, you know, they relayed the message. The next thing I know, I'm talking to Stan Lee on the phone and he's like, sure, come on down. And I'm like, holy crap. And I went <laughs> down there and, dude, I went down there and I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, he's just, you know, I, I didn't really have to ask a lot of questions. He's so good at being interviewed that he just – these stories were just rolling off his mouth, man. Like, you know, like, oh my god, he's talking about, you know, Steve Ditko and he's talking about creating Spider-Man. He's talking about creating X-Men and Fantastic Four and Jack Kirby and, and working with John Romita and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh my god, this is gold, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
and and then you know then I when I interviewed uh, Mark Wade. Mark Wade is the nicest guy, like ever. He has been so supportive of the film. He gave of his time. He I did a Kickstarter uh, to try to raise money to finish my film a couple years ago, and he was so great. He signed a bunch of books for me for giveaways. Cool. And, and he sent them to me, and he paid the postage. Oh wow! I know. I'm like, dude. I, I I told him. I said, I'll send you the books. I'll you know pay for the postage. He said, don't worry about it. And he sent me like four signed books that he did. Um, and he, he, I mean, and he's and every time he actually hosted a screening of the film in Muncie, Indiana. Cool. Um, a couple months ago, and he's just been really supportive and and a great interview and and. You know, Neil Adams, John Romita Jr., uh, all these guys are just great guys. And I still, you know, see John Romita at, at a convention and there's a long line. But And I usually go up and I don't I don't want to take too much of his time because, you know, I have to be uh, really uh, thoughtful for all those fans who have been waiting to have to talk to him or sign something. And I'm one of those guys, you know, so I totally respect that. Well, what I'll do is I'll go to the front of the line and I'll talk to the guy, the next guy in the line. I'll say, hey. Can I just say hi to John? You know, he's in my film, and 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 these fans are so cool because a lot of fans would be like, "F you," you know. It's like I've been waiting all day to meet him, and a lot they they've been so great to me, and, and then they'll let me just go and say hello to him, and then I say hello, and and he's and I just emailed him the other day, and every and again they're all just great people, you know, and that's I think that's been one of the best things about this film and the most rewarding thing. Did you get a chance to talk to Mark Bagley by any chance? Because he's kind of my, one of my favorite artists. No, no, um, I really like him too. You know, it's so funny because there's so many people that I didn't get to interview. I mean, when you're doing something like sequel. this. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking for investors for this one because I spent 13 years on my own dime. If I do another one, I don't want to, I want to give the fans something soon. So if there's anybody out there, check out the film. Uh, and if you like it and you want to help me and, and be a sponsor for my next film, let me know. <laughs> and we have a few ways for you to be able to check out the film because uh, you said it's available on Amazon, iTunes, and uh, Best Buy as well, right? Oh, yeah. It's all over the place. It's at Target, Walmart. All, all the, it's, it's not in the stores. It's, on, it's online, uh, the DVD, and you know the uh, download too. So you can download the film at like iTunes. Or you can buy the DVD, which is what I would recommend because you get so much for that. But you can, yeah, get it on Amazon. You can get it at Target, Walmart, Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's pretty much all over the place. And I have something very special for anyone who's in the local Kansas City area or wants to travel to the local Kansas City area. I am hosting a screening September 22nd, it'll be, I believe, at either 6.30 or 7 o'clock, I forget which. Uh, I will be setting up a page on Facebook about this event. Uh, the thing that is significant about this is I have to sell another 89 tickets for this event to happen. If we don't sell sell out the whole, you know, 89 tickets, then we don't get to have the event. So it's very important if you are interested in seeing this movie on a large screen and have an event and be able to see it in a theater with a bunch of your geekiest friends we're doing this September 22nd. I will make sure there is a link in the show notes to find out how you buy a ticket. I'm going to be promoting and putting stuff all over the place. We're going to watch this in a theater. So even if you've gone out and you decide, Oh, I got to watch this and you go and you buy a digital copy or go to Best Buy or whatever, find a way to come to this screening. It's going to be awesome. I'm working on having some guests, uh, some local artists, some local cosplay. We're going to have a great time. And so this is your official invitation. I'm going to be talking about this for the next month and a half. I want to go. <laughs> yes, you should fly out here because we are. All, I am set for like a 15 minute Q and A, which mm. I could do just about anything with. But if you come down here to be able to answer some questions, would be fantastic. Well, we'll just play that one by ear. The one thing yeah. I just want to tell everybody is one of my goals was to have this film at theaters and make them events because. I really think it's important. Like, you know, you people are so used to watching movies at home now. And, and the one thing I really think this film is great for is for comic book fans to kind of get together. You know, we don't have enough gatherings or reasons to get together to celebrate this stuff together. You, know, you have conventions, but they don't happen all the time. So um, really, you know, what Jeremy wants to do is he wants to make this an event. And that's kind of what I would love to do with these 
screenings too is I love to make them events. The film, you know, come down in costume. Um, you know, we'll just it'll be a great time for everybody. And you know, bring the kids. Um, you know, get them into comic books. This is really important time when you're young and you're very yeah. influential at that time. And it'll be, you know, just something you want to watch with your friends and laugh, you know, and when Stan comes on the screen, I had, I've had people cheer and, you know, it's one of those kinds of films where you just, you know, it, to me, it's kind of like a Rocky horror of, of comic <laughs> books. It's one of those films that could show at midnight every week somewhere and the fans just come out, geek out, you know, get together, have a reason to just get together and have a great time. Exactly. So remember, tw- September 22nd, and I will put some further details in the show notes. I've just finally, actually today, gotten the approval for this whole thing. So I've got to work through some details and get the promotion and see what all, how much fun we're allowed to have without interfering with the theater's regular goings-on. This will be a Thursday night, though, because, you know... Friday is premiere day and weekends are, you know, big movie and everything. So it'll be on a Thursday night. I'm excited about this. This is fun. I'm, I'm tempted to wait and not watch it until then. But, you know, just for a bit more information, I'll probably watch it before that. Just just because. But I'll pretend it's my first time in the theater. And it'll be my first time watching it with all of you. So it counts. See, it's oh, magic. man. <laughs> that'll be that'll be great. And and, you know, I I can uh, donate some free comic books. So if anybody goes, they can get a free comic book. I can I, I uh, very good friends with the people at Top Cow. Um, I can donate some movie posters, 11 by 17. I can sign some of them if people want, um, you know, and donate those. So ways uh, that's always fun. Oh, yeah. Well, you got You know, I mean, it's, it's just part of it. You know, I mean. Uh, it's really, you know, it's an important part of it too. And, you know, and I'll just tell everybody out there too, again, that, you know, this is a great reason to get together and celebrate comic books. Yep. And just have a great time and have a great time. We love this stuff. We love getting together. It's everything you could possibly want at an evening. And plus you get me. (laughs) Okay. Silence, except for one giggle. (laughs) But that's part of the fun is you do. I, I do. I get to meet people who, who, have maybe listened to the show, or maybe I might have people who have never heard of this show before, except for they saw a poster I'm going to put up somewhere. But it's, so it's a great time to get to meet other people that we're all like-minded. We all love this stuff. We all like to be entertained. We have that love, that passion. It's going to be great. But uh, also, people can go, you have a website up for this movie if you want to see a trailer. There's a really cool trailer for it. Uh, what was your website there? Yeah, um, I have a website. It's www dot comics the movie dot com that's c-o-m-i-x the movie dot com and there's a trailer there's a lot of uh behind the scenes stuff i've done over the years there's a a really cool little thing i started doing i'm going to probably do for the next film i'm looking for the ultimate comic book fan uh i started doing this this contest and uh trying to find someone who thinks that when why they're the ultimate comic book fan so there's lots of great stuff on the website um all the latest news is there um and you can order a dvd directly from there if you want to um if you want to get in touch with me you can do that through there as well um so yeah so check it out yeah and definitely check out that trailer i really it was exciting it was a really cool trailer i like it oh man i'm glad i'm glad i think i think everybody's gonna dig the film it's you know, again, it's 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 not about any one thing. It's this film about the whole phenomenon, and it's fun, and it's there's inspiration in there. You learn a lot. Um, I think even the diehard comic book fan will learn something from this. I, I wanted to make sure the film had an appeal to a wide audience, as I said earlier, too, because one of my goals was to really get people interested in comic books. And this should definitely do the job. Oh, uh, man. Take, Ticket prices will be at $12, which in some cases is a bargain to see a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, and, and I think people should remember, you know, because this is an independent film, sometimes the theaters, you know, it, they, they, it costs the theater a lot of money to, you know, to, to show an independent film. It's not going to be a blockbuster movie that's going to sell tons and tons of tickets. So sometimes the, the tickets may be a little bit higher, but, you know, you get you're going to get for this i think it's going to be a a great value you're going to get an event you're going to be able to get some free stuff out of it you might even get some you know maybe i'll i have t-shirts and throw a few t-shirts out there and you can do some raffles jeremy can do some raffles you know you get to meet jeremy the one the only um and just you know have a great time and again support you know comic books and independent film 
an independent film. Woo-hoo! Which you also have a Facebook page. Everybody also find the Facebook page, Comics with an X. That's right. That's how I got Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. So um, I encourage people to check out the website and I encourage people to reach out to me if they want um, and uh, just let everybody that they know, tell them about the film. The one thing that I'm really trying to do now is to just you know spread the word. Yep. So everybody can see this. Well, thanks for coming on the show this week. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. And we'll hope to see you September 22nd. If you can come into town for it, it'll be a fun. Oh, man, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we 